Hello and welcome to the UK Ed podcast from UK Ed Magazine and UK Ed Chat. I'm Martin and in this episode we're talking about careers advice and how the world of work can be brought into the classroom. This week I'm in discussion with Emily Hunt. Let's get into it. Chat After Hours webinar. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, this evening we are talking about all things careers. So we're talking about careers advice and we're also talking about how careers can be used within the classroom as a teaching tool, as a teaching strategy as well. So my guest today is uh, Emily uh, Hunt and uh, I'm going to say no more and just ask you to introduce yourself, Emily, to the, um, the, the, the attendees who are watching. So I'm Emily. I'm a primary school teacher. Um, I'm also the author of a book called 15 Minutes STEM. Um, I blog about STEM education on my website, howtostem.co.uk. And my Twitter handle is at howtostem. And we'll put all of those links uh, within our show notes as well. So if you're looking for the blog, the book, or Emily also on Twitter, then you should also find all of those things in the show notes. Now, this is an interactive session. So if you're watching live, then you can comment in the chat bar at the side of your screen. If you're uh, watching this um, on YouTube, or if you're listening to the podcast, or if you're watching on social media, again, um, please do feedback to everything we're saying, and we'd really like to hear your opinion, uh, because none of us are complete experts. We want to hear your ideas about how to improve these things, um, to try to improve everything that we do, and to improve our own practice as well. So, um, careers. Now, my careers advisor, when I was at school, um actually suggested that i go into teaching believe it or not <laughs> the cheek of it um so from the chat there was a very mixed response a lot of negative uh responses about careers advisors when people were at, during their full-time education themselves and there's a recognition that a lot of this has changed um so how does this relate to your experience of your own careers advisor and your career guidance when you were at school um, so I had to think quite hard, actually, about what career guidance I actually had. Um, I remember that there was a big push around year 10 when we were deciding if we wanted to do A-levels, an apprenticeship, that kind of thing. Um, we had the week's work experience, so I went to a school because so I had this idea that I wanted to be a teacher at that point. Um, I remember doing an online careers test as well, which gave us an idea of the kind of jobs that we might be suited to. Um, but that's about all the guidance that I remember having when I was at school. Hmm. Yeah. And um, did you have any kind of um, admin guidance? So was there any kind of focus on what kind of things you should be doing to build CVs or anything like that that you can remember? Because I remember when I was at school that um, there was the record of achievement, which only doesn't come in, uh, which can really age me. Um, and there was a big focus on that. So it was very much stuffing that full of as much paperwork as possible. But what about your own experience of that kind of side of things? Do you have the experience of that? I remember the same burgundy record of achievement, oh, yeah. yes. <laughs> I remember filling that with lots of evidence, but I don't remember really any guidance about what we should be putting in it. I don't even remember sitting down with a careers advisor, actually, and having those sorts of conversations. Mm. 
Okay. And um, one thing which didn't come up in the chat, but something which I'm particularly interested in. Did you find that career advice in the past was um, very much gendered? Because I remember that at my primary school, at my primary school, at my secondary school, um, that there was very much a push into almost traditional careers for particular um, gender stereotype careers. Um, did you find that at all? I don't remember that being imposed on me, but then I feel that actually I've grown up with some of those stereotypes that I'm now trying to fight against. So yeah, that was definitely there in the background, I would say. Mm. So as a primary school teacher myself, I do still see that kind of um, mm. split within the classroom as well. So very much the boys want to be firemen, the girls want to be anything pink, basically. And obviously that's a very, um, uh, very interesting um, state of affairs when it comes to our society um, and the fact that that was actually carried on through formal teaching when I was at that age is nothing less than alarming really mm. um, but how do you see that kind of split within your own classroom or other classrooms you've seen where children gravitate towards a particular um, stereotype perhaps have you seen any of that yeah it's absolutely it is still there that there was this view of certain jobs as gendered and that's there from quite a young age, actually, children are picking that up by the time that they're seven or eight. Um, and that's something that we'll come back to later. But this is why I feel that we need to bring in careers advice from a really early age so that actually we can eliminate those kinds of stereotypes. Mm. So as you say, we'll talk about um, when to bring in particular um, staging of that kind of thing a bit later on. Uh, but what kind of job should we be looking at? Because obviously we're in the um, 21st century now. We've got flying cars and we're living like the Jetsons. Um, but what kind of jobs should we be um, maybe exposing our children to, um, even from primary and certainly through secondary school? What kind of career paths should we be um, just simply experiencing, even if it's through um, informal play or however else that the children may experience in that safe environment in the classroom. So if we think children in schools today are going into the world of work in, say, 10 years' time, 2030, and we don't know what that's going to look like, and we know that actually students will go into jobs that don't even exist at the moment. So that makes our challenge as teachers really hard. Um, so what we can do is focus on the kind of careers that we predict will be really in demand in the future. Um, so we know artificial intelligence, for example, that's a really growing area. Um, so using it for doctors to diagnose medical diseases, um, businesses to target consumers. So there's definitely a push that's needed on that. Um, construction as well. We have a growing population, so we need more houses, we need better infrastructure. Um, and with that comes lots of environmental challenges. We hear all the time about climate change and we know that we have lots of environmental issues. We need to build more environmentally friendly houses and use our resources a lot better. Um, we've got so much inequality in the world. We have people that don't have access to clean water. We have so many challenges. And I think that these are the kinds of things that we need to be preparing children with um, because with these challenges comes lots of job opportunities even if we don't know exactly what those opportunities are yet. Mm. So a big growth sector, as you say, is the environmental side of things. So um, there are many companies out there which are building sustainable products, solar panels, this kind of thing, and they, they literally cannot find people with the right mm. skills to do those. And, and obviously there is a lag between the time when you um, start um, training those people 
to then fulfill those positions. So we're always going to have a lag in that particular area unless there is a real focus on it. Um, so obviously we don't know what's going to happen in the future, but what, uh, what kind of age can we start looking towards careers and, and start um, helping children experience different careers so then they can make their choice about what they might want to do in the future? Um, so my experience of this was that this was something that kicked in around the age of 15. Um, nowadays, the government has issued the Gatsby benchmarks for secondary schools, and these are statutory. Um, so for any primary school teachers listening that aren't familiar with these, um, it's a list of eight different benchmarks, and they cover a range of things. So secondary schools now have to have a names career lead. Um, they need to be making links with employers and with universities. Um, they need to be evidencing that they're making real-world links in lessons. Um, they need to keep a record of children's careers guidance and they need to publish all of this on their website for parents to see. And I think that's amazing that that's happening. Um, and it does make me think, what are we doing in primary schools? Because we don't have this kind of guidance. And the research is showing that children are forming their aspirations from as young as seven, eight years old. And what we don't realise actually is that those views become really entrenched and they become really hard to challenge. So by the time they get to secondary school, it's it's very difficult. Um, so I believe that we need to start this really young um, from reception. And I'm not saying that we're going to be sitting seven year olds down with a careers advisor, anything like that. Um, but we need to be making links to the world work from a really early age. Um, children should be knowing why they're learning something every time they learn it. Mm -hmm. And what do you think the benefit of forming those links is for potential um, employers and companies out there. So obviously there's lots to gain for um, the, the pupils, but what about the businesses? How can we maybe attract um, uh, useful links to local businesses and maybe businesses further afield? What do you think that schools have to offer um, the world of business? Well, a potential workforce. <laughs> you know, it's great for them to be going in and inspiring people. I think that that is great for the staff as well um, to be making those links as well and building those relationships. Um, yeah. Yeah. So going back to um, you say that children form those opinions at a young age. Do you playing devil's advocate, of course? Um, do you think that there is potential to lead children down a particular path, which is then quite difficult to, to step back from? So obviously at um, uh, year nine, usually, um, children choose their options and then there is a certain degree to where they have chosen those options and then they have to go down that particular path. Obviously, there is a, a spread of subjects. Um, it's not that narrow at that stage, but they certainly have discounted those particular things. Now, you said that at the age of 15, it's not uncommon to then make up your mind about possible career choices. Perhaps what I'm asking is how can we maybe build into our system a way to prevent that kind of thing happening and to help children make that informed choice about when they're taking those options and when they're making those choices about possible future careers, which is obviously not the be on end of education, that's just one part of it, but how can we maybe um, mitigate and help children make informed decisions? Um, I think, again, from doing this from a really early age, if you've been exposed to different jobs all through school by the time you are 15 and you're making these decisions, I'd like to think you've got a really strong idea then of the kinds of careers that you're interested in 
Um, and hopefully you'll have teachers saying, you know, this is a subject that you're really good at. This is something that's worth pursuing um, and giving children an idea as well of what um, subjects are going to be really useful. So we know, for example, um, science is going to be so helpful in all of these future areas. So that is a subject that's always really useful to have on your CV. Um, but also, at the same time, lots of people change careers. So if you do choose subjects and you go to university and think, you know, this isn't for me, there's always that option to retrain. It's never too late. Mm. That's going to be my next question about the fact that um, there is now that expectation, the fact that there will be career changes along the way, the fact that obviously retirement is now that bit later, the fact that job security is now not quite so guaranteed as it used to be, and there is now more of a focus on the gig economy and um, the job security isn't what it once was. Couple with the fact that teachers tend to be in a fairly secure job, how can we be in the shoes of our students to help them um, along that path, which maybe isn't quite so secure as our own careers have been up till now? Um, yeah, it's interesting because actually the stereotype is job is nine to five, you're going to an office, say, and actually that's just not what the world of work is looking like more and more. Lots of people have flexible working hours or they work freelance. Um, so I think it's really important that we reflect that in our careers advice. Um, a lot of the people that work freelance are actually millennials. So if this pattern continues, this could be a lot of the young people in schools today. Um, so it's, it's highlighting this to children and pointing out people that have jobs like this, Uber drivers, sellers on Etsy, people that they'll be really familiar with. Um, but also I think it, it's really important that we're preparing students for a career, but at the same time that they know that there needs to be flexibility within that. Um, that, that career could change how it looks in, um, throughout their lifetime. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to seeing a delivery uniform within the dressing up box. Yes. Um, yeah, so um, changing gears a little bit, um, in, our, in the Twitter chat, we talked about career-based um, learning. So could you tell us a little bit about this? Because I know that um, you're very interested in this. Yeah, I think this is great. So career-based learning is making links to the world of work from a really early age. So giving children exposure and experiences to different, um, different careers. Um, and I don't think that this is something extra to do on top of what we're already doing because I think we all know that we don't have any time to do anything extra. This is something that actually we embed in our teaching um, and something that we can drip feed um, throughout children's education for them. Um, and I think secondary schools are setting the tone really well for this now with the Gatsby benchmarks. Mm -hmm. So um, what would that practically look like in the classroom? Because obviously you have guests coming into the classroom quite often. Um, so people from the community is a matter of course in the primary school, but what would that look like uh, for um, to, to work hand in hand with businesses or companies. Um, could you give maybe some examples of what you've seen? Mm -hmm. So for a start, it's making the real world links in lessons, um, making meaningful connections. Um, it, it could be something as simple as well as at the start of a maths lesson on fractions day, just having that discussion about well, when is this knowledge useful in life? When do we use fractions? What kind of jobs use fractions in their, um, in their roles? Um, and as you said, it's inviting in visitors as well um, to talk to the children. You can put something in the school newsletter um, to parents. They represent a range of careers and ask them to come in. Um, I've seen schools that have had careers weeks as well and real focuses on this. 
Um, some schools have careers assemblies, secondary schools in particular. Um, so a couple of times um, throughout the year, they will have someone come in and talk to the whole school about their job. Um, and if you think even if that's only happening twice a year, if that happens throughout a child's schooling, think of the range of jobs that they will have been exposed to by the time they're 15, making these big decisions. Um, reaching out to different businesses, local museums, there's so many people um, that actually it's just a case of sending them an email and they're very willing to come in often for free and do everything that they can to support what's going on in schools. Um, and I know some secondary schools as well are doing things like career speed dating where children have a chance to sit down and chat to people in different careers. So there's loads of exciting ideas out there of how you can do this. Okay, can you maybe expand on that? Because that sounds quite interesting. So um, would it be a case of um, lots of people in the hall and then you have lots of tables set up um, and then the pupils just simply go from one table to the other? Or is it more ad hoc than that? Do they sort of do it like a careers fair and they go to a particular um, area if they want to learn more about it? How would that actually work? Well, I have to say, I've not seen this myself, but yeah, I'm from what I've um, heard from other schools, it is they have a chance to, well, they prepare for who's coming in and the kinds of questions they want to ask. And then they have a minute at each table to ask um, a question or two, and then they move on to the next table. So it's a very fast paced thing. Um, but then there's an opportunity afterwards to go back and talk to anyone that you thought, actually, that career is really interesting. I'd like to find out a little bit more. Mm. And dare I say that webinars might be a good way of doing this as well. Um, so how can we make sure that our pupils are adaptable to that um, path that is unknowable at this particular stage? How can we make sure that they are flexible enough to be able to cope with the kind of jobs which may not have even been created at this stage? Um, I think this is all about soft skills, really. Um, so we know that employers are saying that graduates often have the technical abilities to do the job, but they are lacking some other knowledge. And that's things like um, problem solving, creativity, critical thinking, teamwork, communication, and um, skills that you need in every job, skills that you need to get through a day, really. We use these all of the time. Um, so these are the kinds of things as well that we need to be building up in our schools. So it's not just about teaching to the test and getting everything right. It's about giving children's to do, children opportunities to do open-ended learning. Um, STEM projects, I believe, are really, really great for this, giving the children a problem and stepping back and letting them solve it. And there's so many skills that they're learning beyond just the, um, the curriculum when we do projects like that. I think that echoes what the CBI research has said fairly recently, the fact that those soft skills are ever so important because the other stuff you can teach fairly quickly uh, for the first couple of weeks of the job, but the soft skills obviously take a long time to develop and it's something which has to be ingrained into you from quite a young age. Um, so the last question really is about um, your own subject and what kind of advice you would give to um, a pupil who was looking to embark on a career within your own subject area? Um, so I would say for me, this would be STEM. Um, so if you know that this is something that you're interested in, try and form a link with somebody um, in a STEM career. So go through your teachers and ask them to help you with this. Um, there's the STEM ambassadors scheme, which is amazing. They have thousands of volunteers who give up their time to work with young people. So they're really great to reach out to. Um, there are websites like I'm a scientist.com, I'm a mathematician.com, 
a couple of times a year, they have opportunities for students to live chat with people representing a range of scientific careers or mathematical careers. Um, and just read up on your subject, keep up to date with what's going on in the news, find websites to do with it, um, and spend a bit of time thinking as well about your career path to getting there and the qualifications that you need to do that. Mm -hmm. And on the topic of STEM, um, tell us a little bit about your book. It sounds fascinating. I haven't read it myself yet. Um, it's um, in one of my boxes somewhere um, to review for the website at some point. But yeah, it sounds fascinating. So tell us a little bit about it, please. Uh, so my book is called 15 Minutes STEM, and it is literally that. It is quick, easy to resource activities um, that you can do with children, aimed ideally around 5 to 11 years. Um, it gives a real-world question, and then the idea is that actually the children solve the problem, that you don't tell them what to do. So it's something that you could do in the classroom. You could do this at home with your children as well. Um, it has a clear explanation of the learning, so you don't need to do any planning. Um, and it also makes links to real world situations and it links to conceptually similar careers like physicist, mechanical engineer, whatever it might be as well. Okay, fantastic. And uh, as I said, the link will be in the show notes, as will all of your contact information, your blog, your Twitter, and that kind of thing. But for those who are interested, can you just say where they can find you online? So I tweet at, at how to stand. Okay, and Emily? Thank you very much for taking part in the webinar. Um, just to say to everybody that the webinar is only possible from the people who support us on Patreon. So if you're interested in supporting us, then please go over to patreon.com forward slash UK EdChat. Um, if you'd like to be a guest on the webinar, um, then please do get in touch. You can do that via uh, our Twitter channels. Um, UK EdChat by DM will be fantastic. But otherwise, thank you for watching and we'll see you next week. Huge thanks to Emily for taking part in the podcast. If you're interested in sharing your opinions on the podcast, then get in touch. You can do so via Twitter. We are at UK EdChat or by email using podcast at ukedchat.com. That's it for this week. See you next time.